I was waiting for Harold to sit down so that I could say, please stand with me. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. This is kind of funny because at our Thanksgiving Eve service, there was a bunch of people over here and like two people over here. And now it's the other way around. So I don't know. Doug, did you shower this morning? No. Okay. Well, that could be the reason. Just kidding. Uh, glad that you are all with us this morning. I know it's early, but uh, it's still we get to worship the Lord together. What a wonderful day. Um, why don't you go ahead and stand with me as uh, we begin our service with a word of prayer. Great God in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege to be here today. Lord, I pray that as we celebrate Christmas um, today and tomorrow and all the different activities that we do, I pray that we would remember that, yes, it's fun to get together and spend time with family. It's fun to open presents and all those things. But Lord, it's celebrating the birth of your son. Celebrating the reason why he came to this earth. Lord, we thank you for sending him so that he would grow up perfect and be that perfect sacrifice for us that that would die on a cross in our place so that we could have eternal life. Thank you, God, for planning that out. Lord, we, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for all that you do for us. Lord, we pray that our service today would be glorifying to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to start singing this morning, and uh, I know it's early, and some of y'all might still be a little groggly in your voice, but that's okay. We can still worship the Lord. Uh, our first song we're going to sing is Here I Am to Worship. It's in your bulletins. Let's lift our voices as we sing.
don't you look around at everybody and say, hey, Merry Christmas, good to see you. All right, and y'all can be seated. Um, Let me just give you a couple quick announcements. Um, Don't forget the Christmas card bins that are out there. You say, well, I didn't bring any Christmas cards. That's okay. There's probably a Christmas card for you out there. Uh, Even if you don't come very often, there's probably one out there for you. Uh, Except Nate. I don't think there's one for you, Nate. Sorry. Um, (laughs) But uh, no. Uh, We hope that you uh, check those out. Um, You know, just a great way to be able to uh, share uh, Christmas cheer with one another and uh, uh, fellowship. Okay, don't forget, we're going to have breakfast after this, which is probably the reason most of y'all are here. Not to hear me, but to eat breakfast. I know that's why Annika came, right? Um, Yeah, she likes the food. Um, Don't forget, no Sunday school service, no worship service today, 11 a.m. worship service, and uh, we'll be back at 5 o'clock for our Christmas Eve candlelight service. Uh, And then uh, in your bulletins, you can see that we have a trustees meeting on the 6th. Um, Lord's Supper and Deacon's Fund offering and a carry-in dinner on the first Sunday in January. I figure we'd start out the year uh, fellowshipping one with the, uh, with the Lord and one with another. And uh, you can see uh, uh, 17th, we're having a quarterly business meeting. Okay, um, let's go ahead and continue singing, worshiping the Lord. Uh, we're going to sing page 192, Angels We Have Heard on High, and we'll take up our offering during this song. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echo back their joyous strains. Rick, would you ask God to bless the offering, sir?
Amen. Thank you. All right. We're going to uh, this. This is the last song we're going to sing for uh, this part of our worship service. Uh, page 180. What child is this? singing. Um, all right. You guys ready? Y'all looking at me like, I don't know what's going on. It is way too early. Anybody thinking this? Doug walked in and goes, you know, we ought to do Christmas. Man, we ought to do services every week at 8 a.m. And the majority said, oh, ain't happening, man. <laughs> all right. I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, I hope that uh, you... Um, you enjoy your time here today as we worship the Lord. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> I hope you all are excited about Christmas. Christmas means so much to, to everyone. You know, you got the family, you got the food, the fun, fellowship, freaking out about how many people are going to be in your house. Frustrated that there's so many more people than there are bathrooms available. You know, feelings of joy, feelings of love, feelings of anxiety. You know, so in, in the midst of all of that, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Um, you know, if you've not been with us recently, we've been talking about God being with us um, in, in all different aspects of our lives. The first week we, we talked about the presence of God in the valleys. And we learn the great principle uh, that we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we really get to know Him intimately in the valleys. Uh, two weeks ago we talked about uh, God in the wilderness. God uh, often whispers in the wilderness because He is close to us. And we learned that uh, the, the principle that says our deepest needs become a gift because, uh, well, when they drive us to depend on God. And uh, that was a... a I enjoyed that message, a good challenging message. And then last week we saw that God is with us in the midst of the storms of our lives. 
uh, we learned the principle that never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. And uh, so today we're going to be finishing up that series that's been based on Matthew one twenty three, And uh, we have uh, uh, used that verse, Matthew one twenty three. That says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And so we've been using that as the springboard for our, our series, uh, but today we're going to focus on this verse and in, in the, uh, the context surrounding it. And uh, I want to talk to you about something that is the, the, really the cornerstone belief uh, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I recognize that a lot of people would say that, you know, maybe, you know, well, I'm not really that religious or, or they come from a different faith background. But no matter what your beliefs are, what your background is, you're absolutely and completely welcome here. And we're glad that you're here with us today. But I want to be as clear with you as I possibly can to explain this very important pr principle that is so very important to us. Uh, in, in our walk with the Lord, and really uh, in faith in God. And I hope that it will minister to those of you who are followers of Jesus as well. And who knows, it might draw some interest from some of you others that uh, haven't chosen to follow God just yet. So I, I want to talk about what the theologians call the incarnation of Jesus. And we're going to dig a little bit more what that means. But um, if you're not there yet, turn over to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read starting in verse number 18 of Matthew chapter 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. As after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all of this was done that it might be uh, fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Today we're talking about the presence of God through the birth of Jesus Christ. That's that Emmanuel. That's that incarnation. Uh, and I, I want you to know that God is with you. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is always going to be there. So uh, I just mentioned again the word incarnation. Uh, and you might be wondering, what kind of flower is that? Well, it's not the flower, okay? Uh, you, you're not sure maybe what that is. And I, wanna, I wanted to identify it for you. I want to really define it. Uh, in a way that everyone could understand. And so I'm thinking, how can I say this? And so I thought, well, wait a minute. Why don't I go to all the source of human wisdom and human knowledge and get a good definition for this? So I went to Wikipedia. Right? Y'all ever go to Wikipedia for things? Okay. So I went to Wikipedia, and I'm going to read to you what Wikipedia states so that we can understand what the incarnation is. It said, in Christian theology, the doctrine of incarnation holds that Jesus, the preexistent divine logos, and the second hypostasis of the Trinity, God, the Son, 
and the Son of the Father, taking on human body and human nature, was made flesh, conceived in the womb by, uh, of Mary the Theotokos, which that's the Greek for God-bearer, The doctrine of the incarnation that entails that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human. Two natures joined in hypostatic union. So now that we understand what incarnation is, uh, I've gone to school. uh, I went to college and I've been in like 20 some odd years of ministry. I'm working on my master's and I only understood about a third of that. Okay, Um, And and all I do know is that a little uh, dryer sheets would help with that static stuff. Right? But uh, I want to make it as simple as possible. And so what is this cornerstone belief of Christianity? Uh, What what is this about, uh, what what does it mean to followers of Christ? What is the incarnation? And as simply as I can put it, the incarnation is when God became flesh in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, verse number 14, it says, And the Word, and the Word there uh, is capitalized, in, at least in my Bible, and is referring to Jesus Christ. And it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The incarnation is when God entered into our world in the form of a person, in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Jesus was all man and he was all God, all at the same time. He was God incarnate, God in the flesh. And for some, this may be kind of difficult to grasp. Uh, So please allow me a little bit of creative flair, if you don't mind, a little poetic license, maybe. And that's something that that, uh, very well could have happened during a discussion. Um, So everything I'm going to talk about here is, you know, this morning is might be a little bit different. So it does happen in the Bible, but may not have happened exactly like this. But we're going to look, if you would, uh, imagine God the Father talking to God the Son, Jesus, saying, okay, this is what's going to happen. And uh, uh, this is what it's all going to entail. And so the loving father explaining to Jesus what this mission would actually look like, what it would actually entail. How would that conversation so? Well, it might have went something like this. God, the father, comes to Jesus, his son, and says, son, this is your mission, should you choose to accept it. You are going to go to the earth that we have created to fulfill my perfect will to be a sacrifice For the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, I've chosen a woman for you who will be your mother and you're going to love her. And she's just a young girl that is completely devoted to my will and her name is Mary. And she loves us so very much. And she is pure in every possible way. She's a virgin and she's going to be an amazing mom for you. And I've also chosen an earthly father. Yes, I'm your heavenly father, but you're going to have an earthly father. No, he's not going to be your biological dad, but he's going to be your stepdad. He's a good man, and he's going to teach you very, very well. Now, Jesus, when when you go to earth, you have to remember, you're going to have have to be born of a virgin. In other words, you're going to have to spend nine months in the belly of Mary before you come into this cruel, cold world. And at this point, you can almost see Jesus kind of speaking up and saying, uh, nine months? Really? In, in, in that small, cramped space? Maybe we could do a stork. That, that sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, God knows he's just joking and he laughs. God says, well, let's be clear why you can't do the stork. 
You have to be born of a virgin because that's what I told Isaiah to write so many years ago. And so you're, you're not going to have that earthly father, so you're not going to inherit that sin nature of an earthly father, but you're still going to be born of a woman. Therefore, you're all man. But because I'm your real father, you are also divine. You're human and you are divine. You are man and you are God. That's why it has to be done this way. And I can imagine Jesus saying, okay, all right, I get that. I understand. God the Father says, now, when you're born, you're going to be born in a very, very common place. Most people would expect you to be born in a palace um, because you're the son of God, but I've selected a small barn for you to be born in. Well, a small cave, really, for you to be born in, right next to some animals. And Jesus smiles and he goes, I understand. We're going to let everybody know that I didn't just come for the rich. I didn't come for the powerful. I've come for the common as well uh, and the ordinary. The Father says, that's exactly right, Jesus. Now, when you're born from day one, all of the demonic powers, all the powers of Satan are going to hate you. And they're going to hate you in your, for your whole life. And, you're going to be, uh, and they're going to be coming after you, trying to destroy you, trying to trick you up, trying to trip you up. And the first time you're going to see this is when you're two years old or thereabouts. And King Herod is going to issue a command that all the little boys, two years old and younger, are going to be murdered because he's trying to find you and kill you because he's afraid of you. Because you're calling, they're calling you the king. And so with your family, you're going to have to go on the run and you're going to have to escape to Egypt. And if you don't get out of there, your life is in danger. And so you can almost imagine Jesus writing down, okay, remember to secure a fast donkey. God goes on, Jesus, you're going to have a supernatural power, all the power in heaven, and you're going to have that all on earth. And whenever your man, uh, I'm sorry, whenever your mom tries to give you a bath and you really don't want to take a bath, don't part the waters and sit on bare dry ground. Don't do that. You have the powers to do that, but don't do that. If your dad feeds you broccoli, you have the power to turn it into chocolate. Don't do that. Just eat the chocolate. I'm sorry, eat the broccoli. I said chocolate, sorry. Eat the broccoli. When you go to school, you're going to have perfect attendance and you're going to make straight A's and the teachers are going to love you and all the other kids are going to hate you and be jealous of you. When you grow up, uh, I've chosen for you to be a carpenter, just like your earthly father. And you're not going to make a whole lot of money, but you're going to find fulfillment in helping people. You're going to, uh, you're going to be very good at it, but people will not respect you in your own hometown. They're not going to show you honor. You will work with your hands creating because, hey, that's what we do, Jesus. We're creative. They have no idea that uh, from the same wood that you would make tables and furniture and doors and whatnot from, they will use one day to form the cross that you're going to die on. So, Jesus, use your powers wisely. You'll be able to speak and create things. And your first miracle I've chosen for you, you're going to change some water into wine at a wedding. And Jesus maybe looks a little confused and looks at God the Father and says, um, Dad, seriously, my, my, first, my first miracle is going to be a parlor trick? God smiles, yes. And he goes, really? I, I, why are we changing water into wine? And God the Father says, because we're going to be messing with the Baptist for years. Was it really wine or was it grape juice? It's a joke. You're all allowed to laugh at that one. It's okay. But Jesus, you're going to do some real miracles, you know, not just turning water into wine. 
But you're going to be opening blind eyes that have never seen before. You're going to heal those that have never heard before. You're going to raise people from the dead. You're going to help those that have never walked before to, to be able to walk. And, and yet, they're still going to hate you. And they're going to call you a liar. And they're going to call you a lunatic. And they're going to say that you're drunk. And they're going to say that uh, um, you're my enemy. But Jesus, in your power, just keep loving them. Love them, Jesus. Show them who we are. Show them my love. So what I want you to do, Jesus, I want you to reach out. I want you to befriend uh, those that are around you. Not just the good and not just the religious people, but I want you to befriend those that are not very nice. I want you to befriend the prostitutes, those who are rejected by society, the lepers and, and all those people. The more that you love and the more that they hate you, understand that. Just keep on loving them. And, and this is why you're going. Remember to show them who I am. Show them my heart. Show them my love for you. The devil's going to attack, and at every single turn, he's going to attack you. And after you've been seeking me for 40 days in the wilderness, the devil's going to attack you. And when he does, I want you to fight back with the Word of God. The Bible. And whenever the, the devil says, hey, turn these stones into bread because you're hungry, you're going to be tempted to do that because, hey, it's been 40 days without food. You're going to be hungry. What verse are you going to use, Jesus? Jesus says, I know which one. I'll tell that devil what is written, that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The father says, that's good. That's awesome. That's, that's the one I was thinking of. What, what if the devil tries to throw you off the mountain just to see if the angels will, will protect you just like I had written in the book of Psalms? And Jesus says, well, that's easy. I'm going to tell the devil that it's written that you shall not test the Lord your God. The father smiles. So that's a good one. But, but what if the, the devil tries to uh, throw a really big one at you and says, I'll give you all the riches of the world and all you have to do is fall down and worship me? Jesus says, Dad... I'm going to look at him and I'm going to say to him, get away from me. It is written, uh, you shall worship the Lord your God and, and him alone you shall worship. God says, well done, you passed the test. That's exactly right. Jesus, just, just keep standing strong in front of that temptation. He says, now, you're also going to be having some friends too. Twelve of them, in fact. Twelve guys that you're going to invest in, that you are going to love and you're going to spend three and a half years with these guys. And they're going to be your disciples and you're going to give them your very best and you're going to, and, and, and you're going to love them and they're going to love you. And they're going, to, uh, they're going to be loyal until they're not loyal. Peter's going to be one of the, you know, the, the boldest, bravest ones up until he's not. He's going to be one of the loudest ones. And he's going to tell you, Lord, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go be with you forever. Uh, if everyone else is going to deny you, I will never deny you. Then in front of a little eight-year-old girl, he's going to freak out and he's going to deny you. Then uh, um, <clears throat> he'll do it a second time and a third time. He's going to say, I, I don't know who this Jesus is. He's going to be too afraid to stand by you. And that's going to hurt. But you're still going to love him. And, and when you're serving uh, what will be known as our supper, the Lord's Supper, you'll break bread and you'll hand out wine that will represent what will happen to your body and the blood that is going to be spilled. You're going to share it with one man, one of your closest uh, men, the, the disciples, and you know he's going to betray you. 
Hours after that meal, he is going to meet with some men and he's going to sell you out for 30 pieces of silver. And they're going to hand you over to the enemies and he will betray you with a kiss on the cheek. But Jesus, you just need to keep on loving him. The father then looks at him and says, Son, I want you to uh, pay very careful attention here. That's going to be bad. And it's going to be hurtful. But it's only going to get worse. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you're going to see what is coming to you. You know exactly what's going to happen. And uh, you're going to be so overwhelmed that you're going to ask me, say, Father, if there's any way, if, if there's any other way, please let this cup pass from me. And I'm going to tell you just as I tell you now. No, Jesus, you know there's not any other way. You have to go to the cross. And you'll look up to me with all love and obedience in your heart and you'll say, okay, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. And because of the pain that you, uh, 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 of what you know is coming, you will literally sweat drops of blood from your brow. And in agony, you're going to be arrested. And they're going to beat you. And they're going to hurt you like no one has ever been hurt before. You will not even be recognizable as a human being. And they're going to whip you again and again and again. Your back is going to be torn and it's going to be bloody. So many lashes until you're ripped open and crying out in agony. They're going to, then they're going to throw you down on an instrument of torture known as a cross. And they're going to stretch out your right arm. And they're going to drive a stake right through your wrist. And you're going to scream out in agony because you're still a man and you still feel pain. And when you think nothing else could possibly hurt as much, they're going to take the other arm and stretch it out and stake it through that wrist as well. And when you're not even sure you can survive that agony, they're going to take your feet and they're going to drive a stake through your feet and they're going to strip you naked and humiliate you and hang you on a cross where the very people that you're trying to love are going to come by and they're going to mock you and they're going to spit on you and they're going to say sarcastic things, mocking things like, Hail, hail, King of the Jews. Yeah, sure, you saved other people. Why don't you save yourself? The very people, Jesus, that that we created, that we want, they're going to mock us because of who you are. You're going to look up to heaven and you're going to say, Dad... Please have mercy on these people because they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And so Jesus, we need to press on. At any moment, you could call legions of angels down and I would send them down and I'll wipe them out. But don't do that. Just keep showing them my love. Press on. And when you do, and when everything has been completed that was prophesied about you, you just declare that it is finished. You'll say it out loud. And then come on home to heaven as you surrender your spirit to me. Every step of the way, Jesus, I want you to know that I am going to be with you. I'll be with you. I'll, be with, I'll always be there. I will never leave you until you have to become sin. And when you take on the sins of the world and you die for humanity's sins, remember, you are that innocent sacrifice. And when you become sin, God says, I'm going to have to look away because I'm holy. 
I'm going to have to turn my back on you. Because I can't see, uh, and I can almost see God tearing up, telling his son that he's going to have to turn his back on his own son. He says, you're going to be buried in a tomb, and it's not even your tomb, it's going to be a borrowed tomb. But three days later, some women are going to come to prepare your body for burial. And they're going to check on you. And the stone's not going to be there. And neither will you be. Because, son, you will be raised from the dead. Because we have fulfilled the perfect and final sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Because we love mankind so much. Jesus, son, are you up for this? Son, are you willing to do this? Are you willing to accept this mission? And I can almost see Jesus just weighing it all out, trying to figure, you know, calculating it all. And He's taking it all in, counting the cost. And He takes a deep breath and He says, Yeah, I'm ready for this. I can do this. And the Holy Spirit speaks up and says, Hey, Jesus, don't forget to tell them about me. And Jesus says, of course I'm going to tell them about you. I'll be very clear about it. I'm going to tell them if you love me and you keep my commandments, I'll ask the Father to send a helper. And that's you and you're going to be with them forever. And I need to remind them that even if I go away, the Spirit will come and dwell with them because before I ascend to heaven, I will say, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age, because that's who we are. Jesus says, I will be the Word made flesh. I will be Emmanuel. I will be God with them. We're not going to leave them. We're not going to forsake them. Even if they hate us, we'll continue to love them. Even when they turn away, we will continue to pursue them. God says, Jesus, are you sure? Are you sure you're up for this? And Jesus says, yeah, I am. And the Father says, what's your mission, Jesus? Let's be really, really clear here. And Jesus says, my mission is to seek and to save that which is lost. My mission is to rescue those who are dead in their sins. And I'm going to bring them to life. And not just life, but life more abundant, Lord. And the Father says, good. Good, Jesus. Now, who are you going for? Jesus says, I'm not going for the righteous because they don't need a Savior. I'm going for the sinners. I'm not going for the the healthy. I'm going for the sick. The Father says, well, why, Jesus? Why are you going? He says, because they're sheep without a shepherd. They need a shepherd. And I'm I'm the good shepherd who will lay down his life for his sheep. I've got to go. I mean, uh, we can't not go. We can't just shout our love from heaven. We've got to show our love here on this earth. I will go and I'll show them how good you are. And I'll show them how much you love them. And I'll show them that love isn't just something that you do, but love is who you are. It's your essence. It's your being. And God says, Jesus, that's right. Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. Look again here, verse number 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, 
And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. If you are here today and you are his child, God promises that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is always with you. He, his Spirit dwells inside of you. When you're on the wrong path, the Holy Spirit is there to guide you. When you're alone, he, he is our companion. When you're hurting, He is your comforter. When you're afraid, He is your peace. When you're sick, He is your healer. When you're weak, He is your strength. When you're dead, lost in your sins, He is with you as your Savior. He is Emmanuel who came to save people from their sins. God didn't just shout His good news from heaven, but He came to this earth and was willing to pay that ultimate sacrifice so that we could know how good God really is. Who is God? He is Emmanuel, God with us. Now we've talked about how God is with us during the storms, in the, the wilderness, in the valleys, all these different things. God is always with us. As children of God, <clears throat> He will, as I said, He will never forsake us. There are times we may wonder, where is God? He's right here. Remember when Elijah, he ran away from God. Well, he ran away uh, um, thinking he was all by himself and then God allowed a whole bunch of things to go by him. You know, there was the, 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 the wind, the fire, the earthquake, uh, and, and, and all of that. None, God was not in any of those things. But it wasn't until the still small voice that went by that that's where God was, that whisper. He was able to do that because he was near Elijah. We ought not lose heart because God is always with us. Maybe you're here this morning you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe you've gone to church for years and years. Maybe you, maybe you never have or it's just hit and miss. Or, or, or maybe you were baptized or all those different things. But let me tell you, those things do not make you a child of God. Only if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior are you saved. Let me tell you right now, there are many times that you're going to feel alone. If you don't know God, you're going to be overwhelmed. Hey, let's be honest. If you, even if you do know God, sometimes you're going to be overwhelmed. But if you have a relationship with God, you're never going to be alone. Now, that doesn't mean that you'll never feel alone, because let's be honest, there are times that we still do. But we can take hope. And we can have hope because we know that God has never left us. He will never forsake us. He is there for us because God loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to have fellowship with us. If He didn't, He wouldn't have sent His Son to die on a cross. That would have been useless. There would have been no point to that. If He didn't want us, He wouldn't have even created it. Created anything. Now some of you might be in a difficult season in your life. And you're, you're going through some hard stuff and you need to recognize that you really need God in your life. And, and, I, and I'm talking to Christians here. You need more of God in your life. And I think I can honestly say that there's not a single one of us that doesn't need more of God in our life. 
And what I mean by that is really not more of God in our lives, but more giving God more of us. Because we, we all kind of hold back a little bit, don't we? I mean, we hold back. Well, God, you can have this area of my life and you can have this area of my life, but this sin over here that I keep doing, no, you can't have that because I'm enjoying that and it's okay, it's not hurting anybody. So you can have all this over here, but you leave this alone. And you, you know, you, we're telling God to keep his hands off of that. But that's not what God wants. God wants all of us. God wants all of us, and we need more of Him. And Now, I don't know what you're going through, but whatever your need is, I invite you to yield to Him and to give Him everything. You will never regret it. Okay? You may say, well, Pastor, you just don't understand. That's everything I have. That's everything I am. Well, do you know how much God sacrificed for us? Everything. You say, well, I don't deserve it. Let me let you in on a little hint. None of us deserve it. None of us deserve His love. None of us deserve His sacrifice. None of us deserve salvation. What do we deserve? We deserve hell. Eternal separation from God. But God in His love and in His mercy sacrificed His Son for us to be a perfect sacrifice so that we could go to heaven one day if we put our faith and trust in God. Every single one of us needs more of God in our lives. Every moment of every day. Emmanuel. God is Emmanuel. God with us. He is always there. Even when you don't want Him to be. He's always there. Would you stand with me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Lord, we thank You so much for this message this morning. And I know it's, it's really different than what I normally do. But, and there might have been some people here that didn't like that kind of message. But I thought it was a good view of what you had to go through. Knowing before Jesus ever became a child in the womb, He knew everything that was going to happen. Everything that He was going to go through. And the sole reason is because He loved us. You loved us. And You wanted to seek and to save that which was lost. Lord, I thank You for dying on a cross in our place. And I know that we, we want to think of Jesus in the manger. Sweet baby Jesus. But Lord, he's, he's not there. Around Easter time, Lord, we like to think of Jesus on the cross. Or in the tomb. But He's not there. Where is He? Your Word says that He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And Lord, I thank You for that. Lord, I pray that Your will be done this morning. And I don't know what's going on in the lives of individuals here today, but Lord, You do. And Lord, I pray that You administer to them. I pray that You'll encourage them. Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know You as Lord and Savior, they are not Your child. I pray that today they would call out in faith, to become your child. Allow them to, encourage them to allow us to show them from your word how they can be saved. And Lord, that'll be the best Christmas gift they'll ever have. Lord, I thank you that you love us beyond what we even deserve. And Lord, I pray that your will be done here today. It's in, your, it's in Christ's name that we pray this. Amen.
We're going to sing a verse of invitation, just give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. I don't know um, what God has for you, uh, what God's been working in your heart, but uh, we're going to sing a verse of invitation. Page 397, I will serve thee. Whatever your need is, I invite you to come. I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. I was nothing before you found me. You have given life to me. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you for worshiping the Lord this Christmas Eve morning. And I hope that you all will stick around for some food. Uh, There's lots of food. Smells good. And I hope you all stick around for that. Uh, Let's close in a word of prayer. And uh, I'm going to ask Harold if he would ask God to bless the food as well as close our service out with it.